If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be back. I'm sure everybody had a wonderful Pesach. And because of the structure of the days, we haven't been with each other for, well, quite a few weeks now. Pesach, of course, a special time, a time of liberation and freedom, a time of getting together with families, a time of listening to questions and trying to provide honest answers, a time to understand our history, our past, who we are, where we come from, how did it all begin, how did it all develop, a time to really celebrate what in fact makes us a people and how we develop into a people and how we continue to grow, survive and thrive as a people to understand the different types of people. We talk about the Seder table, the four children, each one having their own particular type of question, and the inclusion makes sure that everybody is around the table, everybody participates. It's a very, very special time, a time of unity, a time of liberation, a time of insight, a time of understanding, a time of coming to terms with who and what we are what our identity is all about. And it's a time of great honesty as well, even though each one asks a question. And perhaps in asking the question, sometimes they go a bit beyond, well, a bit beyond the mark, saying things perhaps they shouldn't be saying. But nonetheless, this is their question. And we have to understand the question. We have to understand the person who asks the question. And we have to try and answer as best as possible, not only to answer the question intellectually, but to answer the question individually and personally, to make sure the person understands the answer that's given. And this is why the Seder takes a long time, because it's not just bing-bang, question-answer. That's not the way it works. If there is an honest question, if there is search, if there is a tremendous desire for meaning, for purpose, for insight, a person expresses himself in all sorts of ways, it's vital that we take the time and make the time to somehow provide the best answer that we can give. And, of course, what's the best answer we can give? The history of the Jewish people, how we began as a nation in slavery, as a people in slavery, and despite the fact that Pharaoh and his people tried their utter best to destroy us, nonetheless, here we are celebrating again and again and again the festival of freedom, the festival of liberation, the festival of unity, and the festival of marching on toward greater dimensions of freedom and liberation as well. And this is why, as we sit here, in the days, the weeks after Pesach, it's not only a wonderful memory that we've had as a result of families coming together and the experience of the Seder, the experience of the Yontif, but it's also a time to reflect upon those things that we hopefully achieve during the festival of Pesach and how we can somehow allow those things to help us continue along the way. Because after Pesach, in a sense, we're going into... Well, a world of harsh realities, a world where sometimes the questions overwhelm the answers and sometimes there are no answers at all. Sometimes the question stands and despite the fact that we search for an answer, we often come up against a situation where we really don't know. And the question is, how can we carry this idea through into the following months after Pesach? 
And, of course, we have something special that helps us along the way, and that's the Omer. Every single day we count. Every single day has a particular title. Every single day there is another mystical dimension of the spiritual and emotional structure of the people, seven times seven, forty-nine, each and every single day, we try to relate and understand and recognize, identify what is the unique character of this particular day. And as we do so, we begin to understand more and more the importance of time, the importance of each day, but not only the importance of time, but to recognize as well that this time is a bridge. It's a bridge between Pesach and Shavuot. On Pesach, we celebrate liberation and freedom. On Shavuot, we celebrate receiving the Torah, revelation at Sinai, God giving us the Torah. And we understand that this bridge, this seven weeks, somehow brings together the purpose of liberation and the ultimate expression of what God, in fact, wants from us. We have to be free people in order to receive the Torah. We can't receive the Torah until we understand freedom. And freedom, of course, means going through the detailed process of each and every single day, the character of each and every single day, and each and every single day as it stands by itself. This is what gives us strength. This is what gives us the ability to continue, to continue forward. And this is the time that we're living in now. It's Erev Shabbos, Shabbos Parshat Acharei. And not only that, but it's Shabbos Mevarch, and we're going to bless the new month of Iyar. And Iyar, of course, is a month where each and every single day we have the incredible privilege of having a unique mitzvah connected with that day, the counting of the Omer. In the month of Nisan, it's only a couple of days. And in the month of Sivan, it's only a couple of days. Iyar, each and every single day, we are blessed with the privilege of making that special Omer counting and recognizing the individual character, the individual energy of each and every single day. Not only the energy of the day, but how the energy relates to us. We speak about chesed, we speak about gevura, we talk about kindness, we talk about severity, we talk about beauty, and we have to understand how that energy affects those dimensions within ourselves. We are composed of those dimensions of kindness, of severity, of beauty, of victory, of strength, etc., etc., and we have to understand how to allow those vessels within our Ourselves, those incredible dimensions of our complex emotional structure to receive the specific blessing of each and every single day, the energy. What is a blessing? Blessing is a divine energy. It's a conduit. It brings down God's goodness, blessing, insight, light into our lives. And this is the purpose of counting. The purpose of counting is not only to get through it, not only to recognize the individuality of each day, but to recognize that each and every single day has a unique conduit, a unique path from divine blessing into our lives. And this is how we go from the excitement of liberation and freedom into the reality of the world, because the reality of the world, as we'll soon talk about, is what it's all about. We don't hide away in spiritual bliss. We don't hide away behind high walls of holiness. We live in a physical world, and in this physical world, we have to know how to function how to understand what our purpose is, how not to 
run away from it, but at the same time not allow ourselves to be seduced by it. We have to recognize that we are individuals that have the capacity of standing within challenging situations, but at the very same time not being in any way diminished as a result of our encounter with them. This is something which teaches us the importance of who and what we are based upon the individual character of our emotional structures by recognizing the 49 levels within ourselves by opening those 49 doors for the 49 conduits of the divine blessing into our lives this is the way that we deal with reality this is the way that we look at the world this is the way that we walk into the world we aren't overwhelmed we aren't frightened but at the same time recognize, yes, that we are human beings, and human beings, by very definition, have weaknesses within them, and this is why we have to implement both the courage of dealing with the world, but at the same time, protecting ourselves by not allowing an overwhelming influence to, in any way, God forbid, destroy or diminish any aspect of our being. This is the time of the year that we are able to receive tremendous, tremendous opportunity from on high. This is the time of the year that links freedom with Torah, and this is how we are able able to survive and thrive as a people, notwithstanding the fact that we have been in every single type of galut exile situation with all sorts of challenges, with all sorts of difficulties, but nonetheless we survive with dignity and with pride. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the idea of walking along the road between Pesach and Shavuot, the road between liberation and receiving the Torah, the road that takes us into the physical world with the harsh realities of the physical world, a world which is filled with challenges, a world which is filled with obstacles sometimes. And we ask ourselves, how can we possibly make this journey on the one hand with courage and with strength to go forward, despite the fact that we know that there are challenges along the way, and at the same time, not to fall prey to what, in fact, those challenges might bring us down into. We have to, on the one hand, have the courage of going forward, but at the same time, to have the wisdom and strength to protect ourselves against negative influence as well. How does a a person survive in that sort of reality? As I mentioned before, of course, by recognizing the divine energy that is there on a daily basis and allowing it to enter into those specific areas of our own emotional structure, we have that strength. But as we look at the Parsha, we have tremendous insight in how an actual fact Torah tells us how to behave within these circumstances. The Parsha is Achare, Achare Mot, after the death of the two sons of Aaron. What were the sons? What were the sons die? Why did the sons die? What were their sin? Their sin was that they became too close to God. They wanted spiritual ecstasy, the bliss of total denial of the physical world and enter into a purely spiritual dimension, which, of course, is not the will of God. God wants us to live in this physical world. This is the sin of the sons of Aaron. And as explained by our mystical teachers, our Kabbalistic teachers, our Hasidic masters, that this, in fact, is the greatest sin of all. It wasn't something simple. It wasn't a mistake they made in a simple, vulgar sense, God forbid. It was a spiritual decision that they made, but the wrong decision because it was a denial of the physical world, and God created a physical world for us to 
function in and with. We have to function in the world, and this is why it's Achrimot, after the death of the two sons. And the question is, what happened after the death of the two sons of Aaron? What is the Parsha filled with? What does this Parsha talk to us about? What is contained within this Parsha that enables us to understand what in fact was wrong with the decision made by the two sons of Aaron and how in fact we ourselves in the physical world can correct that. And interestingly enough, it's a fairly complicated Parsha. It's a Parsha that talks to us primarily about two areas of Jewish life. Number one, the service in the temple on Yom Kippur. Holiest of all days, a day that we stand in prayer before God and ask for forgiveness, we ask for atonement, a special holy day. And when the temple was standing, all the rituals connected with that day, what the Kohanim, the priests had to do, and how to prepare, and how to somehow bring about atonement for the people. A very fascinating insight into what, in fact, our relationship with God is, and how even if we make mistakes, even if whatever the case might have been, we transgressed, we erred, we didn't do what we should have done. There is always the road of Teshuvah always the road of repentance and return and atonement where God forgives us, we have to ask ourselves, what does this have to do with the death of the sons of Aaron? Of course, they were going to serve in the temple, and Aaron had to continue that service. But the question is, why do we talk about the holiest of all days, the day that we connect with God on that intimate and powerful level through Tshuva, through repentance, through return, and achieve atonement, how it, that is connected with the idea of the death of the sons of Aaron. Furthermore, we have to take a look at the rest of the Parsha. The rest of the Parsha includes certain certain items that cannot be eaten, the prohibition against drinking, God forbid, blood, and at the same time, at the, toward the end of the Parsha, we speak about the forbidden relationships, morality, at its very basic level. What is that all about? How does that connect? Either we talk about holy days such as Yom Kippur, and then talk about other holy dimensions, and yet we speak about the most base type of bad behavior from a moral point of view. What is that all about? And in fact, this is the portion that we read on the holiest of all days on Yom Kippur itself. And the answer, of course, is, as mentioned before, the sin of the sons of Aaron was that they tried to remove themselves from the physical world to enter a purely spiritual dimension, to enter into a blissful ecstasy that would take them away from any type of physical challenge within the world, and that was wrong. God wants us to function in the world, but in order for us to function in the world, we have to have certain rules and regulations. We cannot live in a world of laissez-faire, doing whatever we want, however we feel. I feel that this is what I want, and this is what I want, and this is what I will do. This is the behavior of absolute immaturity. I do what I want to do. I have to do what is right. I have to do what is correct. There are certain types of relations and relationships that are good and healthy, and there are those that are absolutely destructive. They will not only not result in a union of goodness, they will actually end in total spiritual and ultimately physical chaos as well. 
How does God precede all those laws of morality? He says, I am God, your God, and I don't want you to behave in the, pre- the, the depraved manner of the nations that you have left, Egypt and Canaan, who were totally immoral at the time. And we have to understand what, in fact, the Parsha is telling us. The Parsha is telling us as follows, the only way, the only way we can walk through this world and meet the challenges of this world is if we protect ourselves with the incredible armor of mitzvot, of commandments, of doing the right things and staying away from prohibitions, not doing the wrong things, God forbid. When we enter the world and we behave in a way which is consistent with the will of God, from the highest level to the most basic level, what we eat, with whom we have relations, and spiritual dimensions as well, everything is detailed in tremendous, tremendous fashion of how we have to live our lives. And this is the way we walk through the world. We walk through the world, yes, it's a physical world, and we are obligated to take part of the physical dimensions of the world, but within the strictures and structures of Torah. The Torah tells us this is right and this is wrong. This type of food will bring you goodness. It will nurture you. It will give you strength. This type of food is destructive. It will invade your body. It will invade your mind. It will invade your heart. It will invade your soul. It will create chaos within you. You will have terrible unrest as a result of that. This is what Torah tells us. Torah says these things can be eaten by a Jew, these things simply cannot be eaten. And this is how we live in the physical world. These relationships are acceptable. These relationships will lead to harmony, to goodness, to future generations following a path that we cherish and we hold holy. This type of relation will only end in destruction and pain on so many different levels. At the same time, however, we don't despair as a result of the fact that perhaps we have walked down the path and didn't protect ourselves adequately with the armor of mitzvot. And sometimes human beings do make mistakes. And this is where the idea of Yom Kippur comes along, the idea of teshuva, the idea of repentance, the idea of return, the idea of restructuring our relationship with God in such a way that we show our sincerity and devotion to him. We accept the fact that we've done something wrong. We try to correct it, and God blesses us with kapara. He blesses us with absolute atonement. He elevates us to a pure and holy level. This is what the Parsha is all about. This Parsha talks to us about living in the physical world, not escaping, not running away, not hiding behind high monastic walls. We live in the physical world, but within the physical world, we live by certain laws. We live by certain regulations. These are there, not only to fulfill the will of God, of course, 
We do that because we have the faith and devotion to God and his law. But it also protects us in the spiritual and the physical sense that the world does not become a place that overwhelms us, but rather a place in which we can find purpose and structure and change the world for good. Because each and every single time we take the physical world and we use the physical dimension correctly, not only have we behaved properly. Not only have we done the right thing, but we have actually elevated that physical dimension to a higher level. God, as I've spoken about so many times, God gives us an incredible gift. And what's that gift? That gift is to become a partner within creation. Excuse me. The world that God created is an imperfect world. And who perfects the world? We as human beings, we as Jews who are devoted to God's law, to God's way, to Torah and mitzvahs, to whatever capacity we can, big or small. Each and every single time we encounter the physical world correctly and properly, what we actually accomplish is elevation of the physical world. What does that mean? We have the capacity of bringing about change, change for the positive, change for the good, the way we interact with the physical world, the way we interact with each other, the way we interact with ourselves, the way we interact with God, whatever interaction we have in this world, from the highest of the high to the lowest of the low, we are either busy creating and fulfilling purpose of creation, or God forbid, destroying. And this is what this parsha is all about. Yes, the sons of Aaron thought the only way that they could escape and feel safe in this physical world is by removing themselves from the physical world, and the answer is no, that is considered a sin that is considered something which is contrary to the will of God. God wants us to function in the physical world, but to function in a way which shows that we have a respect for the world, and the way that we have a respect for the world is by fulfilling the laws of God. Everybody talks about the ecology. Everybody talks about using the world correctly. Everybody talks about not abusing the world. This is something which is basic Judaism from the very beginning. We live in a world that God created and he put us into this world to function in a particular sort of way and he wants each and every one of us to do the right thing and that right thing is a law that covers every single area of life from beginning to end from the highest to the lowest men women children strong weak rich poor we all have that connection with torah we are all the children who sit around the table and ask the questions each and every one of us has a particular way of expressing our devotion our faith in god we have the power to change the world. We have the power to change that which is negative into positive. We have the power to change that which is positive into something which is higher and greater. And how do we do that? We do that by meeting our challenges correctly. We enter into the world. We enter into the world with a full knowledge that this world might be in many ways a frightening place. But we have courage. We have strength. We have faith. We have absolute emunah that God gives us the strength to function in that world. And we function as we do.
And this is something else which the Parsha talks about. The Parsha talks about not only what happened after the death of the sons of Aaron, that God gave us the gift of Yom Kippur. God gave us the gift of laws that touch us on every single level. But God told us something far deeper and greater than that. What happens after the death of the sons of Aaron. What does death symbolize? Death symbolizes in many ways grief and pain and sorrow. What happens after the moment that a person experiences grief and pain and sorrow? What happens after a person ends up in a situation where the challenges of life are truly overwhelming? What happens after the death of the sons of Aaron? And we have to ask ourselves that question and more of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how a person is able to respond to negative situations, to challenging situations. Achrimot, what happens after the death of the sons of Aaron? Do we fall into, well, tremendous sadness and grief, recognizing the pain, recognizing the sense of loss? Yes, we do. To a certain degree, we are expected to mourn. We are expected to feel the grief and the pain that comes along with the sense of loss. But at the same time, as mentioned earlier on, what does the Parsha talk to us about? Get into the world, deal with the world, protect yourself against the negativity of the world. Take those dimensions of Torah and mitzvahs and make them your own. Understand that God forgives, he atones. We talk about great and wonderful things. In the Parsha of Achrei, the Parsha that carries the name after, after the death of the sons of Aaron, what do we talk about? We talk about elevating the purpose person to a higher purpose and to a higher sense of being. And I refer specifically to what happened about of Poway in California on the last day of Pesach when a gunman came in and did the terrible things that he did. Took the life of an innocent woman, a fine woman, Laurie Kay, and our hearts go out to her family and we send our condolences directly and indirectly. And I speak about my colleague, Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein, who stood in front of a gunman, himself being shot, and at the same time his first and foremost concern is how to protect the children in his shul, how to protect the people in his shul. Where does the strength come from? Where does this courage come from? Where does this heroic ability come from? He's not a man who went to martial arts school. He wasn't trained. He didn't know these things. It's not, doesn't come from a sense of some strange bravado. It comes from a sense of how to deal with difficulty and how to respond at a critical moment. Will we respond with courage and with strength? Will we run and hide for cover? This is what Achare is all about. What what happens after the moment of difficulty? What happens after the situation where a challenge somehow encompasses us? How do we behave? What was his message again and again from his hospital room? And he spoke throughout the week a number of times. The day before yesterday, he spoke in the Rose Garden next to the President of the United States. And what does he speak about? He speaks that we will not be frightened. We will in no way 
allow anyone to destroy our faith, our hope, our determination. We will stand strong. The message of Am Yisrael high pride and strength and courage and ability. And we have to do something to change. He spoke about, he said something quite powerful. He said, my life was changed the other day. And the reason my life was changed, because I have to now change the world as best I can. And he spoke about all sorts of things. The inspiration, the upliftment. How do we respond to a situation of difficulty? Yes, it's quite natural to fall apart. Yes, it's quite important to go through a process of sadness and of grief. Yes, it's quite important to feel pain. It's important to have sympathy and empathy for others and for ourselves. But at the same time, we also have to have the courage of knowing if God put me into a particular situation of challenge and difficulty, he put me there because he gives me the strength to do something with it. Sometimes we have to pay an enormous price to come to that moment, as they did in Chabad of Poway. But at the same time, what happens is courage and strength becomes a symbol, a model, an example of what each and every one of us should be in the face of difficulty, in the face of challenge. When there is a critical moment, how do we behave? And this is something which is so important for us to understand. And he called for throughout the entire world that this Shabbos, each and every single individual should go to shul. The shul should be absolutely packed. A tremendous demonstration of who and what we are. A tremendous demonstration of faith, of unity, of solidarity. A tremendous expression of Jewish pride in every sense of the word, each and every one of us. We will fill the shuls. We won't be frightened by those madmen, by those vicious terrorists who try to destroy our lives. We will stand strong. And this is why I encourage each and every one of you to make an effort, men, women, and children, this Shabbos, come to shul. Bring somebody along with you. Call family and friends. Make sure that your shul is absolutely packed from one end to the other. Let us show a tremendous demonstration of unity with everyone else around the world, because shuls around this world, this Shabbos, will be packed. People have been touched by the story on the most intimate level. After the death, after the pain, after the sorrow, after the incredible hurt, we have to come out with a tremendous statement of faith, of hope, and of greatness. And this is why, as we are in shul tonight and tomorrow, and we bless the new month of year, a month which has a special mitzvah connected with it each and every single day, the counting, the importance of the individual, the importance of every moment, the importance of every single detail in life. As we stand in shul and we hear the story being read of the death of the sons of Aaron, we talk about the glorious concept of Yom Kippur, of atonement, of forgiveness. We recognize the mitzvot that are there to protect us, our souls, and our bodies. Let us come to shul, listen to those words with tremendous care, with tremendous personal insight. And Hashem will give each and every one of us whatever we need in the fullest sense of the word. And ultimately together to celebrate the greatest blessing of all, the coming of Mashiach, speedily and happily in our day. This is a Shabbos to demonstrate who we truly are and what we truly are, are an invincible infinite, everlasting people who came out of Egypt, who walked to Sinai, who received the Torah, 
we are a people who will live forever. Good Shabbos.